In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon me. It is the cry we hear from the lips of the woman from Cana. Do you recognize her? The one who hails from the district of Tyre and Sidon. The one who has a daughter who is suffering terribly from the demon who oppressed her. The one, she's the one whom Jesus refers to as a dog. A derogatory name in our culture, and even more inflammatory in theirs. Do you recognize her now? Her crumbling voice, her desperate plea, her humble disposition. Lord, she cries, have mercy upon me. Surely you can recognize a woman of devastation and desperation. Do you hear her plea to the one who had just walked upon the sea? Who, when his disciples saw him just hours before, they too cried out like her, but they in great fear, she in great faith. Lord, she cries out, have mercy upon me. The Lord Jesus recognized her. He knows the voice of his children who cry out to him. He knows the voice of every cry of desperation. He himself would cry out with the same despair upon his wretched cross, where, with a loud voice, he cried out to the Father who had turned his back on him and forsaken him. Jesus cried her same cry, his very cry, when he yielded up his spirit, when he drew his last breath. It was his lot, brought about by the crowds who had cried out, They in jealousy and arrogance crucify him, crucify him with their vitriol and hatred of God and mankind. They cried for his slaughter, but she, she cries out for nothing else but his mercy. In the face of a sick child, her child lying at home, oppressed. Just like the father with his child who was often near death, thrown into water and into fire by a demon, and who cried out to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So she cries out too, to the same Lord, with groanings too deep for words, begging for his mercy. Lord, she cries, have mercy upon me. It's the cry of desperation every parent can recognize from a mile away when their child's life is in the fire, when one's heart drops into their stomach and they fall upon the Lord for his mercy. It's the cry of a broken heart, the cry of the soul that searches for the one thing that will hold it up, directed towards the one who hears all cries, the one who himself cried, he who is sovereign, who rules over sin, death, water, and the fire, the one whom the saints in heaven even now cry aloud with loud voices of desperation and yearning, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? To Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, she cries, O Lord, have mercy upon me with all her heart. For he is her one and only hope. She firmly believes in him. And in her desperate plea, her cry is joined not only with his upon his cross and all the saints and the four living creatures around his glorious throne in heaven and the Father who believes yet does not believe, but it is also joined with the heavenly chorus of all the children and angel voices who cry out on the great and awesome day of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. Her cries are joined by the cries of God himself and his bride, the church. All the saints in heaven and on earth cry out right along with her. Yet despite all of her crying and all of her heartache, all of her distress, Jesus does not say a word to her. He's silent. To her, he does not say a word. To the woman, whom you are just now starting to recognize, he does not answer her. Doesn't even turn and acknowledge her. He does not give her what she prays for, not even an answer. Do you know this woman now? Surely you know your own prayers for mercy and your own cries to God. Just like her, your desperate petitions for his divine help go forth, praying for his power to come and to save, and that with just his little finger, just one word uttered from his lips, all would be made well. And so you have cried. And yet he answers not a word. No word is spoken, no answer, no healing comes. Rather, silence and inaction. To cry out to God and to be met with silence and to hear no word from him, to see not a thing from his hand, but only to be left in the same sickness and in the same darkness and in the same calamity and the same fire. Utterly devastating. As we look more closely at this woman from Cana, we slowly begin to recognize her very, very well. She's eerily relatable. Her pain is one and the same of your own. Now the disciples of the Lord, within earshot of her, we have to assume, say to Jesus, send her away. Lord, she keeps crying out, send her away like a dog. She's treated as scum, as nothing but a worm, a nuisance. Send her away. Is she not important in the Lord's eyes? Is she not worthy of his love? Surely she wonders these questions in the face of such inaction and such cruel words. For to cry out to the Lord and to hear nothing and not only that, but then to be met with such disdain from his followers, it would be more than enough reason to end her cries, to pack up her bags in complete shock and pain, and to leave the Lord, and to look elsewhere for hope. But yet she does not. She refuses to leave the one who has always been, Lord. She continues to cry, have mercy upon me. Her desperation must be answered. She will not stop. He is all she has. And to him, she steadies her tear-filled eyes. And so the Lord, he finally speaks to her and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. She was reminded of her lot. She was not of Israel. She was of Tyre and Sidon, of Cana. She didn't belong. 
She's judged by the Lord, shushed away from him like a dog. Why doesn't she leave after such piercing language? Why doesn't she drop everything right then and there and in our world sue him for discrimination or for harassment or for neglect? Surely the world would understand and demand such a response of her. But instead, she's unfazed by his inaction. By the judgment or the very cold introduction she gets, she keeps crying out, Lord, have mercy upon me. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And then she hears the lowest words yet reserved just for her, even while in her most desperate state, the Lord then says to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, it's at this point in the story we have to consider two things. First, how the world teaches us that to become great means to be the leader of all, to be first of all. And secondly, how our Lord Jesus teaches us that to become great means that you must become a servant of all and last like a child. For the one who has been so shaped by this world, informed by this world's way of seeing greatness, not only will this woman before you remain completely unrecognizable, but she will be an embarrassment to women everywhere and an icon of everything that is wrong and backwards with Christianity. But not only that, but so is the Lord Jesus who stands over her. Is this not the Jesus whom you have in your mind? Is his word of law and sharp judgment unrecognizable to you? The world teaches us, it's constantly forming us to see that greatness, it comes through power and becoming first of all in leaders and in charge. The world forms us to always be getting better and to get more and to become more powerful and that to be worthy or to be great is to be honored by all and respected by all and held in high regard by all to be seen as less than that is both appalling and demeaning in our world but see how great a lesson this dear woman teaches us that while the world around her expects such great things of her, she rejects it all and humbly receives the lowest rung on the ladder, whatever the place the Lord assigns to her, even if it is the place of crumbs given to that of filthy dogs. For she desires the regards and honor of no one other than him, the one who created all things. Even if it was just as a dog, she received it with humble faith. She would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. That means she'd rather be a dog in the Lord's kingdom than a powerful and beautiful queen of this world. 
she shows us all that when the word of God strikes you, and it says many things to you that you do not like, rather than fighting the word or walking away, she humbly says, Yes, Lord, you're right. I am a dog. I am on the lower rung. I am not of Israel. I'm a dog, but but even a dog can eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And to be placed in this position by your almighty hand is my contentment. I do not desire greatness or the things this world say are worth fighting for. All I ask, Lord, is for your crumbs. Because she knows and she firmly believes it that the Lord's crumbs are enough for her and her daughter, for you and your son. She begs at his feet like a dog for a crumb. Luther once quipped while his dog was waiting for some leftovers at the dinner table one night, Oh, if I could only pray the way this dog watches the meat. All thoughts and concentration on this food with no other thought, wish, or hope other than that which is in his master's hand. Lord, have mercy upon me. It is our prayer in the midst of every storm of life, even when we are met with divine silence, even when the sickness is not yet cured, even when the addiction is not yet taken away from our flesh, even when others beguile us, threaten us, or shoo us away, we will never stop begging and crying out in our hearts to the God of all grace, who has made such great and precious promises to you. Lord, have mercy upon us. And so, dear saints at Trinity, whether he has placed you high up or on the lowest rung, it matters not. For to simply sit at his feet and receive from him, even if it is only the crumbs off his table, that is more than enough for you and for your soul to live. For this is where you recognize the woman fully from Cana and the receiving of the crumbs of bread, the bread from heaven that gives life to the world, and the receiving of the small sip of wine, the blood of the eternal one who is mighty to save, and the receiving of the sprinkle of water washed with the word, you believe, just as she did, that in the Lord's gifts and in his word, he has made you an heir of his eternal kingdom, forgiven you, and set you free, and he calls you his own beloved, and he will answer he will take action. He will provide for you. And for that which you cry out day and night. For he is the one who is sovereign. And he is the one who gives every good thing to his children. He is the one who praises you, his dear child, for having such great faith. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.